Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. In my research of going to the event and mm. talking to previous, I actually found some other people who'd been in and I went and had coffee with them and did my mm-hmm. research and they all worded me up that be prepared that it could be a couple of goes. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Helia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Lisa Chesser about the Australian Institute of Company Directors Chairs Mentoring Program, about why advisory boards are a great way to build your portfolio career, and no doubt many other things that we'll touch on because we've had a bit of a pre-chat and we've got a lot of things to talk about. First, let me tell you about Lisa. Lisa is a non-executive director and mentor who builds and chairs advisory boards for startups, SMEs, not-for-profit organisations and social enterprises to create value in the health and human services, infrastructure, defence and space industries. She's on the boards of Community Options Australia, Hen House Cooperative Limited and chairs or sits on several advisory boards in Sydney, Brisbane and Adelaide in the startup space, social enterprises and the GoGo Foundation. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Lisa. Thanks for having me. It is fabulous to have you here and fabulous to be face-to-face recording. Before we talk about advisory boards and the chairs mentoring program and all of those things, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me a story about young Lisa that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Always had a fascination for current affairs and as a kid... Um, when you had show and tell in year one and everyone was bringing their favourite toys, I'd watched like Today Tonight on something on ABC the night before and I wanted to talk about the female eunuch and Jermaine Greer and everyone just stared at me like I was weird. And that sort of theme of understanding and being aware of my environment as an only child growing up with media around me is something that I've always being responsible and a decision maker. I was a scout and a guide and then ended up in BLK Peters in Queensland at uni. Mm -hmm. 
and the radio station at University of Queensland was taken over by the Young Nuts and for me that was, even though I only periodically listened to 4ZZZ, it was a pivotal moment about censorship and student-led governance mm -hmm. and um, governance and decision-making thread again and leadership. So I ran for business faculty at Queensland University of Technology, which was next to the Queensland Parliament, mm -hmm. and got on that. And then we were doing a pool project, a massive sports and infrastructure build. And the minister came down and opened it, didn't say a word, and then went back into the chamber and laid a piece of legislation down for voluntary student unionism. And we had massive capital loans to pay off that huge piece of student infrastructure. So... That was a pivotal point where I knew governments and governance mm. and legislative frameworks impacted what communities can do. Mm. So they were two pivotal points. And then I actually went on to sit on the university council. So that was probably my first non-executive directorship mm. at in my mid-20s. And I thought, yeah, this is something I want to do later in my life. This is something I could do further along in my career. Right. So university council is your first board or council or non-executive role. Well, adult one, I guess you, QUT council, the guild was there, yeah, that's true. elected representative and it was a business mm. and I sat on the campus club and was president of that. And again, it was a business, Yes. but membership-based businesses where the university was a very different. Yes. It had legislative and statutes and mm -hmm. responsibility and other things that I had to think about from a student perspective, even though I was there in 1990, a long time ago. As the student voice almost, so you were there as a student representative yep. on the council. elected, yeah. How did, you, how did they listen to the student voice? How, how was your engagement in that decision-making process? How was it, you know, valued and listened and heard? Well, they were very inclusive. Mm. By far, I mean, I was in my mid-20s then and it was the youngest person at the table and... The papers and the governance prep always I found quite impressive and I liked that, being able to do the due diligence in there. And we had some newer people coming onto the council, including some women that were quite inclusive and would make the time to talk mm -hmm. mm. and were prepared to treat people as peers yeah. and as serious and not in a tokenistic way and that's why I liked being in that space. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know I've said this before on this podcast, but my first board was the YWCA and we had a constitutional requirement for four directors to be aged 30 or under. And for that board, as you would hope for an organisation that really supports young women, those four young women were not the young women and let's see what young women think and ask them. They were equal members of the board and they made decisions along with the rest of us. And I've actually been on the YWCA board in Adelaide as the treasurer uh -huh. before I went into Parliament and we had that same constitutional requirement and, in fact, I still have a strong relationship with a woman in that space and we catch up and it's been great to see Matula's career go ahead and we still share similar experiences. Mm -hmm. But that was the year of the GFC, so that really sucked being the treasurer for that year because I inherited a whole yes. deficit and then had to explain it at AGM. But that's, that's you don't get to that part of directorship <laughs> world. You don't get to choose the circumstances you're serving. You just have to be transparent and accountable. Exactly. So part of what we were going to talk about today is the AICD, the Australian Institute of Company Directors Chairs Mentoring Program, which you've 
I think it's just recently finished. You've recently mm, participated yeah. in that. Yes. So I was in the 2019-2020 cohort. Right. And it was a little bit extended because of COVID circumstances because we had to go remote and mm-hmm. do hybrid things. But yes, I'm officially part of the alumni now. Right. Or so alumnus or alumna. I'm alumna. not sure. You're a, I think it's you're an alumna but collectively alumnus, I'm not sure. Somebody, I'm sure, hello, take on board people, let us know how that works. So tell us about the program. What does it involve? What value did you derive from the program? How does it work? I've come out of state government was a cabinet minister and mm-hmm. as part of the transition to a portfolio career, I had it down as something I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And I applied and you go through an application process, you get interviewed by... Hendricks and Struggles, they're supporting with that sort of vetting and shortlisting. And it comes down to about you do an interview and then 45 of you around the country are put in the cohort. Mm -hmm. So there's two from South Australia. Mm -hmm. Most of the cohort are women 20 or 30 years plus in their careers. Mm -hmm. So they're ready to make the jump to a professional directorship portfolio. And they gather us together and do a couple of intensive days to start with. Mm -hmm. You're connected with a mentor who'll carry you through the program and you'll have a monthly Mm catch-up. How you, like all mentoring relationships, is a framework, but it's as much as each party is prepared to Mm -hmm. commit to. I found my mentor a fantastic woman in South Australia. She's a fellow mm-hmm. and her journey has been really interesting and she's been a great sounding board for boards and market and her experiences. So I found it a really, really beneficial support for me. But I've also found the online community that I've met. So I've got some directors in Adelaide and Perth that we've got a little WhatsApp group mm-hmm. and we share Yep. Maybe it's a lead, maybe it's, hey, have you thought about this? Or Because board CVs, there's a whole lot of secret sauce in that space. Mm-hmm. There's never a perfect thing. So there's a lot of things that would demystify. Yeah. And how do you define your value in the board space that the course, we were all struggling with it and there's that aha moment where we're all sitting at the table going, oh, it's not just me. Yes. So there's 45 other women going through that at the same time. So that's quite validating because it can be quite a lonely journey moving from C-suite mm-hmm. into a portfolio career and you really have to be at the right stage to get into the program. You really have to be in that consulting, self-employed, moving into the board space. Yep. And your headset's got to be out of the C-suite mm-hmm. and sitting at that operational strategic yep. lens level. And that's what I think they're looking for when people apply. Tell us about your aha moment in defining your value for the boardroom from the program. I I sort of knew that I would be a different modern contemporary director Mm -hmm. and I knew I wasn't the traditional lawyer or accountant Mm -hmm. I hadn't come out of commercial things. I was struggling for in myself because people would often say, you're not commercial. Yeah. And it is a little bit ASX 200 focus but... When I got into the cohort, I realised it was quite diverse Mm -hmm. and about a third of them, whilst they wouldn't mind doing that, many of us are interested in government-owned corps or mutuals or cooperatives. So for me, trying to figure that value out, I see things from public value, Mm -hmm. I see see things as public licence to operate, having come out of state government Mm -hmm. and lived 
public licence to operate failure mm-hmm. and the rehabilitation of government reputation in that mm-hmm. space and restoration of faith. So they were useful things, but that was the aha yeah. moment for me of what's my value to a board, what are the skill sets. And eventually, not long after I got into the cohort, I landed my first paid board in Sydney mm-hmm. and the things that they saw value for in recruiting me to that board, which is Community Options Australia, were many of the things that the chair's mentoring program had helped me define. So can you tell us about how that board opportunity came about? Can you talk us through that? Literally, I saw an ad on the ASCD pages. Often the stuff I go for is I go in cold. For this one, you saw it. What attracted you to the role? Community Options Australia is a home support-based services, so it Around Australia, they've got about 34, 35 um, network partners that actually do the day-to-day service provision of people who have complex mental health and social support needs, like average daily living. There's some Commonwealth contracts, some New South Wales government contracts. We've just landed a South Australian contract, so we're just doing some stuff with um, in the Adelaide Hills here. Mm -hmm. They were looking to broaden their market, their understanding... I had clinical governance, even though I'm not a clinician, mm-hmm. and lived experience in that public licence to operate failure. Yeah. And that was the value that they saw and brought. And mm. we talked and we clicked and, yeah, I made it through the recruitment process. So that's nice when you land your first fish mm. without someone warming it up. But that's not how all directorships come about. Often it's word of mouth. But for my first one, I was really pleased to yeah. do it that way. And I've got to say the ASCD listings were that was advertised and I just rang up. Hi folks, it's Halia just popping in in the middle of the episode. Isn't Lisa fabulous? It's no surprise to me at all that she was chosen for the AICD Chairs Mentoring Program, nor that she made strong connections with the other women in that program. And I am so pleased that she's also joining the Board Accelerator Program in 2021. Lisa, like so many of you in the Take On Board community, is all about building connections, which is why she was one of the people that came along to the Adelaide Take On Board Meetup a month or so ago. So if you would like to meet some in the Take On Board community, you've got two options here. Firstly, if you live in Sydney, come along to the Take On Board Meetup on Monday the 1st of March. These meetups are one of the highlights of doing this podcast for me. I would love to meet you there. So email me if you want the details. You'll find my email in the show notes as, let's face it, my name's a bit too hard to spell here. If you're not in Sydney, but you still want to meet some of the Take On Board community, come along to the next Take On Board event, where we'll hear from Hannah Brown on cybersecurity for boards. It's going to be great. And it's a virtual event, so you can come from wherever you are in the world. And indeed, pets are welcome. Because, you know, let's face it, many of you will be doing it from home. Early bird tickets are available until the 2nd of March. I would love to meet you there. Link in the show notes. Now, back to hearing some of Lisa's wisdom and what she has to share. That's an organisation that's, I think I heard you say, based in Sydney. But its footprint is national. Yeah. You're based in Adelaide. And in fact, you just did the Chairs Mentoring Program, which is a national program. We're recording this. I don't always date them, but at the moment it's worth doing. We're recording this at the start of January 2021. Yeah. So a lot of that was during 2020, the year that was, and Mm. COVID. What was the impact on your board portfolio and your governance thinking of COVID? February last year, I landed at a strategic 
planning retreat in mm-hmm. Bowerall in Sydney and then I went home and a few days later I was at the ASCD summit, mm-hmm. the big gathering where everyone gets their top up for CDP points. Mm-hmm. And on the way over I was on a plane and it was filled with older people who were very excited to be going on a boat cruise. <gasps> that ended up to be some of the Ruby Princess crew and people were coughing around me and I was already nervous and then it was all over the summit, black swan events, and then we all went online mm. until late November of this year when I had to go up to Sydney for a CE recruitment piece and see my family who I hadn't seen for ever last year. Everything has been Zoom mm-hmm. or Teams, although I prefer Zoom to Teams. Likewise. <laughs> and phone conversations. And so all my advisory boards that I've done mm-hmm. and have kicked off in the last year... Um, it seemed like everyone's crisis mode till about August and then everyone went, okay, we've coped with the crisis, we've got to move forward, not mm-hmm. just deal with the crisis. And the phone started to ring and then August everyone started to move forward. Mm-hmm. That adapted. Yeah, I'm going to Brisbane next week and that'll be the first time I've met some of the founders of the social enterprise that we're setting up in mental health and wellbeing in that space for trauma and grief. Wow. So that will be really exciting. Yeah. To actually see them and because I've had spent a, a number of hours, days online with these people, but we still haven't been face to face. Oh, things I probably shouldn't say on the podcast, but I will. But one thing I've found is that when you do everything online, I'm not very tall. And when, when you do with everything in the virtual environment, no one knows how tall you are. And then all of a sudden you meet them in real life and they're like, oh, I'm shorter than I expected. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm five foot four, I hear you. A bit taller than me. <laughs> was that the first time you'd applied for that program? Because as I understand it, it's quite challenging to get into that program. So congratulations on being part of it. Was it the first time you'd applied? Uh, what do you recommend to people who are thinking about doing the program? In my research of going to the event and mm. talking to previous, I actually found some other people who'd been in and I went and had coffee with them and did mm-hmm. my research And they all worded me up that be prepared that it could be a couple of goes. Mm -hmm. And they all talked about the application process and I was very blessed for them to share that knowledge with me. Mm -hmm. And then I did the application process and I was prepping for it and it's an online form which takes quite a while. And it does require you to distill a lot about your career and think about it in this different lens. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it up and I remember sitting up till the middle of early hours and I sent send and thinking, oh, yeah, prepared to go a second time. And then when I got the interview, I remember dancing around my kitchen table being so, my children thought someone had died because I was so excited. But yeah, yeah, I was really pleased I got in the first time. For me, that was like, yes, tick. Even if I don't make the next step, it was good practice. So every time I try and do something, even if I don't get a yes, I try and take a positive for it. Yeah, great. So, but the application process, you do really have to think about and Mm -hmm. reflect on your career. Allow yourself enough time to do that form Mm -hmm. and save it. Mm -hmm. Um, Screenshot it so you know where you're up to and be prepared for that process. And then you'll have an interview with headhunters. So 
And if you'd never dealt with a headhunter, which I had never mm. met or had an interview with them, I found that quite intimidating. All right. So tell us how your interview went and what was expected and what was unexpected and your advice to others that might come up for that part The as things well. that I thought that they'd be interested in me for mm. were not the things they saw from my LinkedIn profile or mm. the things I'd spoken about deeply in my application. Right. So value, that value proposition again. Okay. So they were interested in infrastructure and the scope of the decision-making where I could demonstrate numbers, mm-hmm. where the health portfolio, when you've got two ministries, it's a bit, even your budget papers aren't necessarily drilled down mm-hmm. in estimates to exact numbers, but like chairing public works twice and doing the Adelaide Oval redevelopment for public value or water and energy, like mm-hmm. the, the $450 million spends, yep. they were interested in that pocket of... Mm. I guess that's the commerciality and the ASX decision-making. But when you're sitting at a cabinet table, like NDIS was the state spend we were handing to the Commonwealth was 723 mil. Yeah. So I'm comfortable in that space. Mm. So that's the lens that they were looking at my history from where I was looking at it from a different perspective. Interesting. And so... Presumably it's in the interview room where you're thinking, right, we're going to ask me about this. And all of a sudden they're saying, tell us about... It's telephone. Oh, telephone. Yep. So from that, what might be your advice to others that might be coming up to that sort of interview, whether it's for the Chair's Mentoring Program or with headhunters generally, what would be your advice to women in thinking about preparing for that sort of interview? I think if you're coming from public service or public administration perspective and out of government putting in numbers and your metrics in there are hugely important. Yeah, right. Yeah, making sure... Because we tend to think in social outcomes. Mm. Mm -hmm. So um, reflecting value, Mm -hmm. which we'll probably talk about later with the podcast that I'll recommend to people, but how you define value. Yes. Great. All right, folks. So I think what I'm hearing there is the Chair's Mentoring Program provides some aha moments and is of value. Be prepared to apply more than once. Uh, You might get lucky, but be prepared to apply more than once and put quite a bit of work into your application and think about the numbers in terms of your interview and Mm. think broadly around the value that they might be looking for rather than what you might be thinking you're there for. Yeah. Okay. Now, advisory boards. Yeah. You're also involved in a number of advisory boards and have built that as part of your portfolio as well. What was your first advisory board and how has that helped you to build your board portfolio? I figured as part of my monopoly board that I'm building Mm -hmm. of a portfolio career of advisory boards sit nicely and complement non-executive directorship. Mm. And I joined a group of other advisors in Brisbane Mm -hmm. and I'd done a course about... I'd gone along and then very shortly when I met the community, they said, oh, no you need to do the chairs course because I have chaired a lot Mm -hmm. of things in my old professional life. And I realised very quickly the social enterprise space is something I bring value to of understanding what governments want and grant funding and social value solutions. So I've built that space of my advisory portfolio Mm -hmm. and treat that as part of my non-executive as long as you understand very clearly the definition and the space and legal recs of being a shadow director versus a non-executive director, that's why I like to chair them, not just be an advisor, Mm -hmm. because that, you know, you'll be talking to people who are growing a small business and you're there to help them think from the strategic space like you are from 
and need role, but sometimes you might do a few practical things, but you have to be very clear in the way the decisions are made by the directors of the business mm. at the end of the day because they are the legal responsibility. So you give them a framework, boot around ideas, support them in growing their growth appetite, scale, startup, whatever level of business or SME they're at. But it's different from being operational and in the rushes with them day to day. You're more like a coach mentor. Yeah, yep. So as I've done the advisory board, I've picked up more mentoring. So female founders, I seem to have a pocket of mm-hmm. women who are coming to me now who are growing the SMEs, like there's a psychology practice, um, a female in the building industry who is a very male-dominated one and I help her with a bit of things. But sometimes it's a conversation yep. that helps them build up their confidence, particular space that they want to grow their business. Mm-hmm. And then I've got one that's an NDIS space that connects back to the human services. But there's a female founder's pocket now. I've got a machine learning, mental health and wellbeing app at Lot 14. That's really cool and funky. And it's got, it's like a Fitbit for wellbeing, but it puts your emotional sentiment into six or seven different bubbles. Ah. And it'll be a lovely add-on to if you're in a HR platform and organisational change, but also you can... It's a bit... It's like calm without all the extra reading and music and stuff, but this will actually... It's a Fitbit concept. Mm. So that you can you can do more creative things at advisory boards perhaps than you do in the innovation space than you can in a formal NED role. Mm, fantastic. A couple of things there. A, if you send me the websites for some of the organisations that you're on advisory boards for, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well yeah. so people can get to have a look at them. But secondly, I did an interview with Louise Brokeman from the Advisory Board Centre a few months ago and her reflections, unsurprisingly similar about being able to provide that support to startups and SMEs without having to do the compliance side of things. It sounds really fun. Yeah, so Jan, I love talking to Jan and Louise. Yes. Um, Jan plays in the female entrepreneurship space in Queensland as well. Yes, Jan's also been on the podcast about yeah. the research she did about female founders, which I was thinking about. Yeah, so mm. that fits really nicely with the Hen House Cooperative, which yes. I sit on the board of, um, and we're a community member at Stone and Chalk and Lot 14, which is our innovation precinct. And it's been, I think it is still the largest one, apart from New South Wales one, precinct in Southern Hemisphere. Right. So that's where the space agency is located. It's where the MIT machine learning labs and University of Adelaide have got the machine learning labs. And I love being a mentor at Stone and Chalk and the people I meet, they're possible people, they're interested in solving big problems. Yes. And scaling, purposeful profit. A lot of them are driven by the idea of 1% and SDGs mm-hmm. from UN mm-hmm. and the Hen House sits there as a community member. But the Hen House co-op is really our goal is to end the gender investor gap mm. for female founders. So that ties nicely to what Jan and the Queensland entrepreneurship yes. community. So a friend of mine, Maura Weir, who you may have spoken yes. to. yes. I might be on a podcast, she sits on the Entrepreneurial Advisory Board. So there's a little coop of women a doing gang. a little gang of women oh. doing some some changes and we've had some incubators and we're learning and reflecting on that. But it's ending or bending the curve. Yes. So that women get more money early stage in their ventures, like mm-hmm. CEO, so that we impact 
and just get rid of some of that discrimination and inequality. Yes. And women can scale successfully. Oh, I knew this would happen, Lisa. Our half hour has flown by. <laughs> so I'm wondering, what are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation we've had today? Advisory boards are something that are complementary, mm. not competitive, yep. to being a non-executive director. And actually, they round out your board portfolio. It's also really incredibly creative space. I love the startups. Yep. So for me, that's a really good space to be in. Traditionally, people think about mentoring. Mm. That's nice and complimentary, but advisory boards are a great space. Just be very clear about how you document, mm. how you run it, and it be maintain your independence in that space. Yep. And I think Louise and Jan probably talked about that in previous podcasts, but I really enjoy being on advisory boards and I love seeing people thrive. Yeah. And it's great to see businesses either start up, get to revenue or scale successfully or an SME growing to a new sector, mm. that is a great way of broadening your skills out as well and your learnings. And is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Yeah. Um, podcasts are something I've been listening to a lot in the last year, but the brief lectures on BBC, I've been listening to them over the summer. Mm-hmm. So Dr Mark Cagney, who's a former Bank of England governor mm-hmm. has been talking about public value and how we define value and I know we were talking about that before so how to redefine value and how do we balance moral and market sentiment mm-hmm. so it's sort of new economic theory but it makes sense with climate change and public value from government from my perspective but I guess it's all about purposeful profit yeah and profit's good as long as it's done in a human focus societal mm. problem solving so it goes back to that UN SDGs so I think there's four lectures in that that mm-hmm. are great podcasts on the BBC and big ideas have broadcast them if you go to the big ideas ABC iView thing but I reckon that's a great one if you're interested in social impact or ESG. Fantastic well again I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes so people can easily access it. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Take On Board podcast and for sharing some of your wisdom with the Take On Board community. I know people will appreciate it greatly. So thank you. No, thank you for having me today and I hope you enjoy your time in Adelaide and looking forward to listening to more of your podcasts now. Excellent. Thank you. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.